welcome to the Marshall Pruitt podcast and our catching up with series. We're visited by two doctors who are like angels to those in the IndyCar series and have been so for decades. We're talking about Dr. Steve Olvey and also Dr. Terry Trammell. Dr. Olvey's book, Rapid Response, highlights the work that both of these good men have done in CART, in Champ Car, and the IndyCar series for so long to not only mend broken drivers, but help move the state of the art of driver safety through vehicle design, through barrier technology, through a wide ranging number of modifications to improve the likelihood of healthy outcomes, if not just vastly improved outcomes in the event of a crash. The book Rapid Response is finally and thankfully a documentary debuting Friday night in Indianapolis. Thanks to the docs who sat down earlier in the week in Indianapolis, get to hear some of the tales that really and truly make their work and this documentary and the book Rapid Response an absolutely vital part of what we do in open wheel racing. And hopefully here we will have news about where Rapid Response can be seen in a wider ranging capability. Thank you again to the Justice Brothers, to Cooper Tires, and torontomotorsports.com for making our podcast possible. And off we go with good doctors Olvi and Trammell. You guys are being honored as you should with a documentary that's debuting later this week. Beautiful, beautiful book, which I think many of us have read, Rapid Response, Wild Tales, none of them fabricated. I mean, this is real life stuff about saving lives, creating innovation, about what is unique with these crazy men and women and the competition that they do the danger they face, how do you keep them alive, repair them, let them get back to being who they are, practicing your trades, looking for vehicular safety, and there's so much contained within the book. I don't know why I didn't think of it earlier that, gosh, this needs to be a documentary. Where should we start, gents, on maybe the formation of someone coming to you and saying, hey, this is perfect material to bring to the big screen? Well, really the way this happened, I wrote the book back in 2006, and a fellow that, uh, his name's Mike Miles, who's the producer, uh, worked for Universal Studios, and uh, it was a race fan. He bought the book and read it and liked it, and it's really dawned on him that it would make a reasonable documentary, and he talked to people in the trade, and they agreed, and then it kind of laid dormant for a while. Mm. And uh, so I thought it was probably not going to happen. And then about uh, three or four years uh, later, I got a phone call uh, from him and said, we're, we're going with this. Wow. And that's, uh, that's when it started. Dr. Trammell, where, where do you, where does this I don't know if I should say assistance start. Obviously, there's a book, so there's a great printed kind of roadmap. But where do you guys get involved to say, hey, I know you have a lot of things you could potentially work with, but maybe we have some suggestions on what might be interesting? Well, it's the chronology, the history of what we've done since um, we started. He started before I am. He's older. Steve's older. So uh, when I came along, sort of had a, we did have a partnership that evolved into the CART medical team and the medical safety team and the way we've delegated duties and um, shared the load all through that. And then when the book came along, 
Uh, I remember reading one of the, the, the earliest go-rounds of the book and in the middle of the night calling him up and saying, I, I don't know if you just called me A.J. Foyt a dinosaur or what, <laughs> but because uh, something about I was doing a uh, archaeological dig to get him out of the dirt oh, uh, hill cart. Anyway, the, that kind of exchange back and forth over the years and the safety things. And then along came um, Mike Miles. Mike is actually, his father's an OBGYN doc here in town. And Mike was a patient of mine multiple times over the years. And uh, that was our association. Uh, so when he, when Steve called and said he was going to do this, I know him. Uh, I said, yeah, well, this will be good. So that's where we're at. So where do you guys start in terms of sharing your history on a personal level, right? Methodist Hospital, I think any, anyone who's ever watched the Indianapolis 500 knows that name and, and hopefully many know of your origins. But where do you start in terms of trying to share your personal stories versus that intersection with motor racing? Well, Terry, Terry's correct. I'm, I'm older. And uh, <laughs> so I was already on the staff at Methodist, and I was working here because I at uh, one time was assistant medical director here under Dr. Tom Hanna. So I'd been working on the racetrack, and I knew Terry just from being at Methodist, and he was a resident in orthopedic surgery. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, what a good resident uh, we have this year type of thing. And Danny and Gaius crashed that year during the race, and I was at the scene, and uh, it was fortunate that Terry was the orthopedic resident on call that day, and he and I knew each other just from sharing patients at Methodist that were critically mm. ill and uh, required Terry's assistance because of bad orthopedic injuries, and so I got to talk to him on the phone and tell him uh, you know, what was coming, and after that, we kind of, uh, you know, I realized he enjoyed motorsports as much as I did, and we had a similar uh, goal, you could say, it was to make it uh, safer and to be involved in it. And so we got together, and this was when back in like 78, I think. Or That's when it started. And Gaius, see, I started in practice crash? here in 70, actually, started in July of 1980, and that was when Gaius was 81. Because I was a staff person by then, I wasn't a resident anymore. That's, that's right. Wow. For about nine months. Right? Yeah, he was. That's right. He wasn't a, not a resident with, for yeah. a guy. He was on call for orthopedic yeah. surgery, and it was uh, really, I think what what we did together is everything we did was unheard of and unorthodox. It, it went against the grain. How? Um, how? What's an example? Well, and Gaius is a great example. He had what's called a type 3C open tibia, and the treatment for that was amputation. Jesus. And that was a done deal. I mean, it was a, you just didn't not do that. And, you know, I walked into the thing and said, I'm not starting my first go around with a race driver with an amputation. That's not going to happen. And uh, one of the vascular surgeons, a guy named Gil Harrod, said, Oh, this is not a big deal. We can fix this. He said, You put the put the leg back together, I'll put the arteries back together, and everything will work fine. He was right. The uh, amazing thing, or it always amazed me, uh, the uh, velocity and the power in this particular crash, uh, there was a hole in Danny's uniform, in his uh, uh, leg, and the, of the uniform, and the hole was made, a piece of his tibia, 
that went through the uniform over the wall and was found when they were cleaning up uh, after the race, I think a day or two later. Jesus. Needless to say, I didn't use that piece. But <laughs> you might need some duct tape and a little you know, alcohol to clean that off. Yeah, it was, we, we had gadgets. And, uh, but that was the thing. Is, is all along, from the inception of the, the medical, traveling medical team, everything was against the rain. And uh, it was not the customary, ordinary, this is what's done. Because... Uh, didn't know any better when when Mears got hurt in '84. Um, that that's a whole section of the book. It's a whole other story. I, I, I was going to ask about that because I'm sure you know. The, I don't want to make this about blood and gore, but I want folks to understand that when name the driver who crashed last week here in practice, whichever for the 500. I'm sure they would come in, be seen. They might have a bruised shin. They might have a something, but for the most part. The advancement of vehicular technology in terms of safety, plus safer barriers and such, these things have made most crashes here something where we don't immediately fear something dire. And yet, if we go back to the early years of your working in tandem with the vehicular design of feet ahead of the front axle, uh, and obviously the safer barrier had yet to be invented, Subjects like a driver's, the bones in a driver's feet, lower legs, etc., being piercing agents, and just the amount of calamity and damage being done in an accident. This obviously you can't be squeamish in doing what you do, but this sounds like you're dealing with you know plane crash and bomb victims from well, what you're having to tend to. That, that's exactly right, and. In Rick's crash, uh, he crashed right behind us in the safety truck. Uh, he was unconscious at the scene, and the front of the car was totally destroyed, of course. And when we get to examine him, realize his feet were badly damaged. And in a very short period of time, before we even took off in the helicopter uh, to go to Montreal, his feet were swelling and, and uh, r- very rapidly and knew it was a horrible injury. Uh, the amazing thing about this, we got to the hospital in Montreal, and the doctors there uh, looked at Rick and got some x-rays and said that they were going to have to amputate uh, both of his feet uh, uh, below the knee uh, because of this injury. And I, you know, I was uh, critical care in internal medicine, but I said, I'm not sure we're going to make that decision today. And uh, it was a Canadian thing for expediency. I mean, to them, it gets you out of the hospital quicker and back to some kind of occupation, hopefully, and so on. Uh, But this was a different type of situation. And the... uh, so Roger Pinsky uh, was the owner there, and, and Roger and I knew each other very little. And I'm a young doctor, and, Rod, and I'm telling Roger that I'm going against the guys here. And he says, you're going against the orthopedics. Are you an orthopedic? I know I'm not, but I, I don't think this well. Who would, you, who would you talk to? And I said, well, I'd call Dr. Trammell in Indianapolis. And uh, Roger was pretty astute and he knew I was dead serious and so we did we called Terry uh, Terry was on call that weekend for uh, his group and I 
told him we got a real situation here, so you're going to have to trade call, which he was able to do. And uh, he came up and saw Rick and knew, I mean, you know, yeah, this is really a horrible injury. But he agreed with me that it was worth a shot at uh, fixing it, and the, the rest is history. Dr. Trammell, another fascinating aspect, for me at least, of your, both of your time in the sport, which I'd love to learn more about, is there's certainly a period where your expertise is being used in crash situations, dealing with the drivers, the effects of those accidents. What was the point where the amount of expertise that you were amassing, not just in repairing the human body, but seeing the crash, seeing how this aluminum panel folded in this manner, this buckled to cause this injury. I guess for the both of you, what was the point or the, the point in time where you're able to say, we're not just capable of fixing who's coming in. Here's maybe some ideas on let's move this over here. Hey, how about rules wise? How about we rethink this? Maybe that will give us less work to do in the future. Probably in the, the period of time in the 80s, we, we were the first to start collecting meaningful data. We turned it into science. So we actually had numbers for things and how often, how bad, and so on and so forth. Published a couple of papers to that extent. Because the first thing to do when you try and prevent something is you have to understand what it is you're trying to prevent. And so our initial focus was on knowing what kind of injuries we were dealing with very specifically and what was the cause. And to that end, leading up, you know, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse leading up to 92 uh, with with the Holocaust here in 92. And General Motors approached us, uh, John Melvin. The great John Melvin. I mean, he was, you know, my mentor, anything I've, I could be really stupid and call him, and he wouldn't treat me really stupid because he, he was a teacher. As so a young anyway, engineer on a race team, uh, simple things learning about here. My first year as an assistant engineer at the 500, trying to figure out uh, padding for the cockpit and what's the best and what's not. Dr. Melvin saying, come on up. I got a couple things you might consider. Don't use this because in heat, it's actually going to lose its its right. tensile strength. But if it's cold, it'll be rock solid. So, but, but point being, he was just an angel. No, he was always awesome. And to the, that's how we got started is, is I got a call from him, and he said, you know, I'd be glad to come out and help you um, analyze the crashes. So he came out on the Tuesday, I think, after the, the 92 500, and we literally photographed and measured everything we could get our hands on all the way around the track, how far the poles were apart, how high wow. this that i mean we just measured measured went and got the cars and made measurements of the cars and then correlated that with all the x-rays and that was really the beginning and the general motors motorsports technology group um fostered that relationship i went back and forth to, to detroit on a regular basis for a couple of years while they started that whole ball rolling how do you do that and that led to multiple um, innovations in the way the car was designed, um, moving the making the nose cone longer. We figured out how much longer it needed to be by how much shorter the legs got. So yeah, actually, before uh, '92, 
when we first did the uh, paper that we published, one of the things that happened that had never happened before is the two doctors started talking to the uh, engineers yes. and the uh, uh, team managers and the chief mechanics and so on about, you know, we're breaking everybody's feet and ankles. Uh, is there a way to move the driver back? Do we have to keep moving the driver forward? But at that time, their feet were ahead of a line through the center of uh, both front yes. wheels. So the first or second or third thing to hit the wall is the driver's feet. And so just a simple thing like that made a difference. We, had, uh, we learned that uh, the pedals used to be very thin. And when your foot impacted the pedals, it, the pedal would act as a scythe. You know, it, it would break all the bones in the base of the foot. And all it took was making the pedals wider so they were the same width as the person's foot. And then it was a whole different story, and you could control uh, this type of injury. And that, that was the time that this kind of thinking started, and it's led to all the things that uh, have been done you know, today that's lasted over many years and and now that's basically my full-time job is i'm retired from um, providing care and i'm in the business of trying to avoid injuries you know uh, out of the repair business and the full-time prevention business (laughs) and the amount of data that we collect and collect very quickly after a an accident, whether it's video, pie data from the team, uh, the ADR data from the car, uh, ear accelerometers, it's just, it literally is a full-time job. I just take it home and do it. It's, uh, uh, we One of the things, uh, Terry worked so hard on all the orthopedic injuries, which mm. can, uh, and they, those can be life-threatening in certain situations. Uh, the other thing that uh, I was involved in a lot was head injury because I had to take care of all kinds of really horrible head injuries doing uh, neurocritical care for so many years. And we started working on concussion. And we learned what causes a con- you know, the t- type of injury that makes you have a concussion and looking at what we could possibly do with the cars. And it's uh, remarkable that... Uh, and this is a, a fact. A lot of people that might listen to this may think we're crazy, but uh, we have uh, not had a concussion in three and a half years in a sport where people are going 230 miles an hour and running into a solid barrier. And no other sport has come close to that. And it's all physics and the, the uh, anatomy and how the head is... Yeah, how the head is contained uh, at the time of the uh, injury, and it's it's working. And the the predecessor to rapid response was yellow, yellow, yellow. Yep. And in that, there's a section. I work with Jeff Horton, who's the uh, director of his, uh, engineering, engineering safety uh, for IndyCar. Anyway, I'll go to Jeff and say, "Okay, I need this, this, and this. How are we going to do that?" Well, that that whole heads around what we have in the car now evolved from some little things and big things to the point that we've actually tested the head surround with a dummy without a helmet. It works just as well whether you got a helmet on or not. So if you didn't get hit in the wow. head with something, you probably wouldn't need a helmet. Um, it's, it's We're designed. going back to leather caps and goggles, yeah. friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, it could happen. As long as nothing flies in the car and hits <laughs> nothing, you, you hit yeah. your head on something in the car. Nothing solid hits your head, yeah. yeah. So if we could prevent that, which we're working on as well, but uh, those those are the kinds of things that 
evolve, and it's a group effort. You always have somebody that knows more. And I would say my, my success was always I knew who, at, who, who to ask for what I didn't know. And so I ask a lot of people a lot of things along the way. That's some amazing right. wisdom right there. Gents, let's close on one or two items. We were speaking before we started recording about how race car drivers, team owners, there are lots of mechanisms in the sport for them to be recognized, Hall of Fames and whatnot. It's not often in film and documentary form where folks who are just as, just as deserving, folks who the ones you two have mended for decades look to you as heroes. It's not often that the folks who are taking care of the stars get honored with something like this. Know that you guys are... You've never looked for the spotlight. That's never been your personality. But just share some thoughts on what it's like knowing that, okay, maybe it's a little bit less of a secret, some of the cool stuff we've done, just in service to the sport now that folks, uh, hope starting here with this uh, debut on Friday in Indianapolis and hopefully wider format soon after, can see two very distinguished and amazing careers. Well, we, uh, we actually showed a screening, they call it, that the uh, producers wanted to see before the the real uh, premiere and that we did that in Miami a week ago a little over a week ago and it, we did it as a charity function and we did it in a real movie theater and uh, 200 people uh, signed up to go through uh, the University of Miami and, and acquaintances and the amazing thing to me is a lot of these people had nothing to do with motorsport I didn't know anything about it never fought, didn't follow the sport or anything. They had no idea that this kind of thing was going on, and after the movie, they were they were just dumbfounded. And I had several people, and a lot of women, not just guys, coming up to talk to me, but a lot of wives came up and said they had no idea that this kind of thing had gone on and what had been learned from it, and how many people had been helped, not just in motorsports, of course, but uh, th- this has gone out into uh, other areas, passenger cars. Uh, the space shuttle. Uh, there's, it's been uh, boxing in uh, the Olympics. Uh, so they they were just awestruck, really. And we've been able to do this because the the sanctioning body, starting all the way back to Kurt and then Champ Car and then IndyCar, of course, has been very very supportive, both in encouragement and finances. I mean, the stuff costs money. Um, and they've, that's never been a um, – I can't ever remember anybody saying, well, we can't afford to have you do that or we don't want you to do that. It's, it's always been supportive. And certainly one of the biggest proponents of that was Tony George. Yeah. I mean, it just I'd, – I'd go to him and ask him for something. Unwavering. And, and, and he, he wouldn't say anything but okay. <laughs> it's like, what part, <laughs> what part is okay? And it was like – Shrug his shoulders and go do what you need to do. And uh, we did. And we spent a lot of time testing, and uh, it was very informative, and that's how we learned. So. Uh, Terry's absolutely right on that. And one of the examples uh, uh, away from the Speedway was the uh, Texas race where uh, the drivers were, uh, the cars were going so fast on small track, Texas World Speedway, that uh, they were getting G lock. Uh, they were affected yeah, when cart was uh, looking to race by there. the gravitational uh, forces of the track, 
And even though the sanctioning body uh, stood to lose a lot of money, uh, there was no question uh, that uh, unless some way could be figured out to slow the cars down and have a reasonable race, there was no question about canceling the race before we uh, uh, seriously hurt or killed somebody because that was going to be inevitable. Rapid Response World Premiere this Friday, May 24th. I'm so happy for you, Thank Dr. Trammell, Dr. Olvey, long overdue. I don't know. I, well, there is one thing folks should be mindful of. Robin Miller is going to be hosting it. So, you know, there's, right. there's still improvements <laughs> to be made. But all kidding aside, for the thousands of us who just rest easy knowing you're here, thank you for all you've done. And I'm so thankful that folks who haven't known you are going to get to see a body of work that's been pretty amazing. Make everything here much better. Thank, thank you. you.